Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to talk about a special invitation today. In fact, some of you were invited here today and we're glad that you showed up. And so I thought since we were doing Invite Sunday that we would talk about a special invitation that God has for each and every one of us. You know, some of you, you're here this morning because a friend brought you or a family member brought you and you you weren't quite sure what to expect. Maybe you have a church that you normally go to but you're here today or you don't normally go to church And even if you regularly attend here, you come here on Sundays and you don't really know what to expect. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, just just be honest, we have some pretty wrong assumptions about what church is. You know, I've been a believer now for 30 years. I've been pastoring over 20. And we can develop in our culture and in our world today a concept of what church is, and that's really not what church is. What do you mean by that, George? Well, got two wrong assumptions that we operate on. The first one is this. The church is seen as a place for the perfect. The church is seen as a place for the perfect. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I don't know about you, but when I was a young man and I came to Christ and I started going to church, I, I, I really had this concept that that really what was required of me as being someone who attended the church is I kind of had to have my act together. I kind of had to dress a certain way. I kind of had to make sure that I didn't go to places, or if I, if, I, if I did go to places, don't tell anybody because you might get blasted by somebody. And, and you kind of had this concept that church was a place for people who kind of had their act together. Do you know what I'm saying? But here's the problem. How many people do you know have their act together? I mean, really. How many people really have their act together? How many people don't make mistakes? How many people have perfect lives, but yet we sometimes think that the church is supposed to be the place for the perfect, for where everybody's got their act together? And and the reality is, is that the world knows that that's not true. What do you mean by that? Well, Usually when you talk about church, especially when you're outside, you'll hear somebody say that the church is filled with nothing but what? Hypocrites. Why do they say that? Because people in church present themselves in one way, but live in an entirely different way. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not real. And the reason why we act like we're not real is because we've got this concept that the church is a place, is seen as a place for the perfect. Now here's the problem. This is my second point here. When you begin to see the place of the church as a place for the perfect, recognizing that there are very few people, if any people, who are perfect, here's what happens. And I think this is what's happening in our culture today with declining attendance in churches, people not being committed to churches, people not really even caring. Here's what happens. Therefore, the church is seen as irrelevant. Church basically becomes seen as 
irrelevant. Like there's no purpose for church. What's the purpose for church? You know what? I've got something better to do on Sunday. First of all, I'm glad you're here. Okay? I'm glad you're here. But a lot of times, maybe you're not where you should be, or maybe you're not with people because you've got something else going on, and, and you have this wrestling match. Do I go to church with my family? Do I go to church with my friends? Do I go to church? Or do I do something else? And, and you base things upon what's relevant for your life. And here's what happens. A lot of times, church isn't relevant because maybe the preacher's saying something that really doesn't mean anything to anybody. Or the music is, well, the music is music. And really, the relevance of church means nothing because here's the thing. When you think about the stuff you're going through, you're trying to make ends meet. You're having difficulties, maybe in a relationship. you got problems at work. you got health issues. you got that unexpected bill that showed up. What do you do? How do you address that? Where do you address that? Because, again, we have this concept that the church is for the perfect, right? Can I be honest with you? I can understand where it came from. And in many ways, I have, I have even through the years even thought that way. But to be honest with you, if you look at the Bible, if you look at what God writes in his word, if there should be any place where church is not for the perfect, if there's any place where the perfect are not expected, but the imperfect are welcome. It's church. God wants people to come as they are, with their warts and all, their problems and all, their shame and all, their guilt and all. Did you understand what I'm saying? What do you mean by that? Well, we're going to look today at a story that Jesus tells from Luke chapter 14, looking at verses 15 through 24. Let me kind of set it up for you here. Jesus had been invited to the house of a Pharisee. Now, what's a Pharisee? Well, a Pharisee was somebody in the Jewish culture who was kind of like a party, but not a party, kind of an affiliation. It was a group of people who, who held to a very strict interpretation of God's word, and they, and they had this strict moralism, and they kind of had a holier-than-thou attitude, and they looked down on everybody else because they thought that they were it. They thought they had it together. So Jesus is invited to this guy's meal, and Jesus uses this opportunity of being with these, quote, religiously perfect people to point out that really that's not what God's looking for. God's not looking for your perfection. Did you hear me? God's not looking for your perfection. And as he's sitting at the table, and he's had some interaction with them about the heart of God and what's important to God, there's a guy at the table that makes a statement. So let's pick it up. Look with me at verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are ready now. But they, with all one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I've, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. 
Still another, I've, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. Still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. What's going on here? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take this story, starting with verse 15, and we're going to divide it into three sections. We're going to talk, first of all, from verse 15 about some bold assumptions. We're going to see some bold assumptions that folks can have today, especially if you're regularly going to church. Bold assumptions. Then what we're going to do is is we're going to look at some excuses people make. Because the fact of the matter is the master that he's talking about here is God. God extends an invitation to each and every one of us here. But the fact of the matter is we like to make excuses. So we're going to talk about that. And then what we're going to see is we're going to see the invitation. We're going to see what the master is, who the master really is inviting. And we're going to ask ourselves, do we fit there? So let's talk about the bold assumptions. Bold assumptions begin in verse 15. It's with that guy sitting at the table who makes this somewhat spiritual pronouncement. Look at what he says. Now, one of those who sat at the table heard these things. He said to him, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. What's going on here? Well, here's what's happening. Here's this guy. He's in a table with all these perfect people who think they're perfect. And the one person who is perfect, Jesus... And so he's, he's heard some things from Jesus, and so he's got to feel like he's got to impress Jesus. So he says something spiritual, something that, to be honest with you, really has no meaning, but just that something is, you got to say something. You ever been somewhere where you felt like you had to say something, and you just said nothing just to say something? That's what this guy's doing. So he flirts out, blessed is he who eats bread in the table in the kingdom of God. What's going on here? We feel that God is impressed by our outward spirituality. Here's what's going on. Remember when I said we've got that wrong assumption that the church is for the perfect? Well, let me just kind of describe the perfect to you a little bit. A lot of times that we think the perfect are the people who really act spiritual. They're the people who pray out loud. They're the people who want you to know that they're giving. They're the people who show up every time the doors of the church are open. And It's almost like by their actions, they're wanting to impress people that they're godly or that God accepts them. And so that's a bold assumption. We feel that God's impressed with our outward spirituality. Can I be honest with you folks? God's not impressed by any of that. God's not impressed by how much you use Jesus every time you talk, his name. God's not impressed by how often you tell people you go to church. In fact, today, it doesn't impress anybody to tell them that you're going to church, does it? But we think it does. There's a bold assumption going on here. We feel that God is impressed by our outward spirituality. Here's the second one. We make assumptions concerning those who are acceptable. We make assumptions. You know, because we have this concept that the church is a place for perfect people, we we make the assumption about who is acceptable. And for years, we've, we've accepted some type of person, but another type of person, we've made them feel uncomfortable. 
We've made them think because, well, you're not perfect or because you messed up here or, or you maybe got a divorce or, or you did this or that. You're not acceptable in church. You ever felt that way? I'm going to be honest with you. That's not what church should be. How do I know that? Well, we're going to see the reaction here that Jesus has in the story that he gives. He wants you and I to see that those bold assumptions that we make as far as who's acceptable in church, can I be honest with you? They're wrong. They're just flat out wrong. And that God wants something different from the people who gather together, who call themselves a church. What do you mean? Well, let's look at this story. He tells a story about a guy, it's actually God he's talking about here, who, who has a big meal, a supper. So he sends out invitations. Kind of, kind of fits with what we were doing here today. We've sent out invitations. You folks have invited your friends. Some of you, your friends have come or family have come. Some of you, you invited somebody, they didn't show up or they maybe gave you an excuse and said, I can't do it today because of this. Maybe next time. And so this guy, this guy, this master who represents God has this great supper. So he sends his servants out to invite people to this meal. And here's what he does. He invites this select group first. And, and they're the ones who, quote, are perfect. They're the ones who got their act together. But here's what they do. They give some excuses. Now, when you look at these excuses, I mean, seriously, they're pretty lame. Seriously, when you look at it, look with me. I, I think this is verse 18. The first guy says, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. Really? You bought a piece of ground you never saw it before? What kind of excuse is that? Here's another one. The second guy says, I bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to test them. Really? How many of you go and buy, well, none of us buy oxen anymore, but how many of you would buy a truck without test driving it, right? Without getting in to see whether or not it works well. So this guy's saying, I can't do it because I've got to test these oxen I just bought. The third guy is, well, I just got married. Like, what's that got to do with it? That's the excuses. Here's what I want you to see about these excuses. The invitation is not seen as a priority. The invitation is not seen as a priority. This great feast that's being had here and the fact that the master would invite these folks, these folks are saying, you know, I'm going to go take care of this lame excuse thing I've got to do. It's because they don't really see the priority in going to the feast. You say, well, what's that got to do with anything, George? Well, let's talk about it for a moment. Remember when I said the assumption is, the ch- the assumption is, is that church is for the perfect and then therefore because we have that assumption, we don't see church as relevant So when somebody says to you or invites you or says to you about God or has a conversation with you about God or about Jesus or about your need for God or about being with people who will help you or guide you or something, the thing that we want to do is is we want to make an excuse because to be honest with you, it's not a priority. It's, It's really not a priority anymore. Why is it not a priority? Well, let's get back to the main fact. It's not relevant to us, is it? The way that we do church, what church is about, what's communicated in church, isn't relevant. So if I've got a better option, or even if I can't find a better option, I'm going to find a reason, even if it's lame, 
to not have anything to do with God. See, the invitation is not seen as a priority. Here's the other thing I want you to see about the excuses. I think this is amazing to me. Our excuses amplify what we see as urgent. Our excuses amplify what we see as urgent. Well, you know, when, when I say that I've got to do this rather than that, I'm saying that that thing that I've got to do is more important than this other thing. That, what I've got to do, the guy who says that he's got to go look at his land, that land is more important to him than going to that meal. When that guy says he's got to go test drive his five yoke of oxen, he's saying that farming is more important to him than going to this meal. When the guy says that he's married, sounds great, his wife is more important than the meal. Ask him that two weeks later. Do you know what I mean? Our excuses amplify what we see as urgent. So let me just be honest with you. When God extends an invitation to you and you don't pay attention to it, here's what you're saying. It's not important. It's not a priority. And I think the reason why we don't think it's a priority is, I'm going to get back to my assumption, we have a wrong concept of what God's people are and what what church is and what God wants. We think that he only accepts the perfect. But I want you to see something with me. I want you to see what the master does instead. When the, the servants come back and they say to him, we've, we've sent out these invitations to the folks you told us to, and they really don't have time. And, and so the, look at what the master says. Verse 21, so that the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, the invitation is open for all. The master's invitation is open for all. You know, I told you that sometimes I'll get calls for people who need help. And I've got a list of questions that the pastors put together. Most of it is just general information, what their address is, are they getting help from somebody else? But then there's one question we ask, and we have a reason for asking it. Is The question is, is, do you attend a church anywhere in Clearfield County? And a lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, well, I'm Catholic, or I'm Baptist, and I go to this church, or, or I'm Methodist, and I go to this church. And, and, but occasionally I'll have somebody say, no, I don't go to church. And I said, well, you know, we've got 10 churches here in town in Kerwinsville, I would encourage you to, any one of those churches would be a good church to attend. And I remember one time I had a lady said to me, I can't afford to go to church. And and at first, I was kind of dumbfounded by that. Like, I don't know of any church in town that has, takes a ticket at the door for you to come in. I mean, what, what are you talking about? You can't afford to go to church. What are you talking about? Well, a few months later, I had another person call, and when I went through the questions, I said, do you attend church anywhere in Clearfield County? They said, no, we don't go to church. We can't afford that. And and I said, "Uh, can I ask you a question? What do you mean by that? Because I've heard somebody else say that. What what do you mean by you can't afford to go to church? Because I'm a pastor, and we don't charge anything for you to come to church. And, and, and they said, well, we can't afford the clothes. I said, oh, I understand. 
And I came away from that with a big impression, folks. I came away from that with a big impression. Because here's the assumption. We have this assumption that the church is for perfect people. And that means you dress perfect, you look perfect, and you got your act together, right? But folks, there's something missing because, can I be honest with you? Most people don't dress that way. Did you know what I'm saying? Most people aren't there. And the master's invitation is open for all. In fact, who the master is inviting, look at the text. The text says, go out and get the maimed. What is the maimed? That's somebody who's disfigured. Go out and get the lame. That's somebody who can't walk anymore. Go out and get the people who have been pained by life. Isn't that most of us? I mean, we've made, I mean, we, we look in the mirror and we know we're not perfect, right? We look in the mirror and we know that we haven't all made right decisions. We look in the mirror and we all recognize that we've done, we've made some mistakes that wish we wish that we could take back, right? We carry the scars of our past decisions. We are scarred people. And as long as we're scarred people and we have this concept that church is for the perfect, we're never going to feel accepted in church. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to say to you is, is that's not who God's calling to. Because the perfect got their excuses for not wanting to do what God wants them to do. God's calling to people who are scarred, who have messed up, and says, come. Come. The invitation is open to all. Aren't you glad? And maybe you're here and you're saying, okay, that sounds good, but that's not been my experience in church. Can I say to you, I'm sorry? Because that's not really what church should have been. Church should be the place where you can come in your brokenness and find healing. Did you understand what I'm saying? And find healing. The master's invitation is, is open to all. Here, here's the other thing I want you to see here. The master calls those who are hurting to come. You know, I, I'm an observer of culture. And, and what I'm seeing is, is that the culture is heading in the direction that it's going in and the church is is kind of heading in some whatever direction the church is going in. And, and it's almost like they're going in different directions and they almost don't understand each other. And the culture doesn't see the church as being relevant anymore because the church really is, is not addressing things that are relevant to where they're at. And, and to be honest with you, we've become irrelevant because when you look at what's going on in the culture and when I meet people who don't go to church and they go through the stuff and and they go through the difficulties. They're trying to figure out how to deal with life as it is. And have you noticed life's not getting any easier? Have you noticed that? I mean, you can remember when you, when you, uh, when you graduated from high school and, and you heard those speeches about how uh, everything's before you and you can do it. Well, here you are later on, 30 years later or more, or 20 years or 10 years later, and you haven't been able to do it yet, have you noticed? And life's thrown a few kitchen sinks at you. And you don't know how to cope. And, and we try to cope. The world's got all kinds of coping mechanisms that aren't working. Have you noticed that? And the church, which should be there to help, isn't. Because we've lost it ourselves. What we've, we've lost, the master calls those who are hurting to come. Why? Because the master knows, God knows, that you're only going to find peace for your soul. You're only going to find healing for your soul. You're only going to find the rest that you want with him. 
And that's really what the church should be. And say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? This is for you who, who regularly attend our church, and this is for you who came because you were invited. I want you to think about two questions. And I really don't want you just to answer them right now. I really want you to think about them for a while. Here's the first one. What assumptions do you have about church? What assumptions do you have about church? I mean, and I, think about it. Some of you, right off the bat, you already know. Boom. You can say what your assumption is. Some of you have got to think about it for a while, but, but can I tell you that how you arrive at your assumptions a lot of times has to do with what your past experience has been. A lot of times the assumptions that we arrive at has to do with our past experiences. And that usually has to do with where was the church when you went through something? Where was the church when you messed up? How did the church accept you? How did the church handle this situation? How did the church treat someone that you love? Do you understand those? How, how the church was in your past? whatever church it was, will help you in developing your assumptions. And can I be honest with you? Sometimes I understand why you have those assumptions, but they might be wrong. Well, you say, wait a minute, George, you don't understand. I had a painful experience. I understand that. I'm sorry. That's not what church should have been. But you've got to ask yourself, what are your assumptions about church? What are your assumptions? You walked in here today with an assumption. What's your assumptions do you have about church? Here's the second one. Have you concluded that you're not worthy for church? Have you concluded that you're not worthy? You say, you know, George, I'm here because my relative invited me. Or, George, I'm here because, you know, I've been coming here for years. But, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really feel like I'm worthy to be here. Can I be honest with you? Welcome to the rest of us who are not worthy to be here. Because none of us are. And to be honest with you, there is nothing that you can do to make yourself worthy. Because you can't. But can I tell you that there's one who has made the possibility of you becoming worthy, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes you worthy. He's the one who died for your sins. He's the one who forgives. He's the one who accepts. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what you've done, haven't done, what you could have done, what you didn't do, what you did. I mean, whatever. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has only to do with what Jesus did and whether or not you accept what he did. That's salvation. He accepts you right where you are. And the church should be a church filled with people who were broken, but they realize that I'm worthy now, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, that's where we're at here at our church. Kermansville Christian Church is a church of real people where anyone can come and find Jesus Christ and learn to walk in obedience. What do you mean real people? We are real people. What you see is what you get. We've got warts. We've got problems. But we're trying to work on them with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.